You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. I was going to talk about our calendars. It's still counted as the new year, so I was going to talk about what's called a rule of life or abiding. Um, But as I started to sit down and think about it, I looked at my calendar and it looked a bit like this. It was already full. Um, it already seeped over. 2020, 2023 has already filled up 2024. And so I thought, no, it's not. We'll talk about that next Sunday. I thought this morning, I wonder how many people's calendars, I wonder how much people have leaked over into 2024, all the responsibilities, all the things on their mind, all the things they're carrying. So it doesn't even feel like a new year for some of you. I imagine it's all been filled up. I think the perfect example of this is Christmas Day. For me, Christmas Day is when I feel like I've had 42 services <laughs> and I sit down and then, I don't know if you guys noticed what happened Christmas Day night. Of course you did, you're on the Gold Coast. Just, it, the year didn't stop. It felt like the end of the year. It felt like we could finally all just relax and then a storm rips through, rips my brother-in-law's garage door clean off the hinges um, many of you were damaged out of power. It just, we didn't get a break. It just felt like 20, 2024 came and we were cleaning up debris out of our yards. And so in a physical sense, and I wonder in a spiritual sense, what are you carrying? Before we even look at the blank calendar, before we even consider what God wants to say to you for this year, what are you bringing in? What do you need to let go of? And that's what I want to speak about this morning. Looking at John 16. And so I've got one more video before we head into that this morning and I'll get the boys to bring it over. Someone in our family sent that to me. The kids don't have phones. Um, And one of us, me or Mez, you can guess, not now, after, but one of us likes to take as many groceries as they can like that from the car and try to carry a heap. And the other one is super calm about it and chilled and cool and collected. (laughs) And they take just what they can carry in. Um, But one of us has a lot of things to do. And so they carry it in. Not quite that. I've never seen myself or Mez, who who could it be, um, try to shut the door with their head. (laughs) That's a whole new level. But we carry stuff around. That's the point. We, We carry physically but we carry spiritually things in with us all the time. And that's what we just want to speak about this morning and reflect upon. But let's get into John, the end of John 15. Um, We've skipped over the start of John 15, and we're going to look at that next week, and we'll go into John 16. Let me read. It's just up there. So if you're looking it up in your Bibles, John 15 to 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they are hated both me and my father. 
For this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. I'm going to keep going through, but to give you context, this is the pointy end of Jesus' ministry. He's getting towards the moment where he'll actually die, be executed. Um, And he's getting pointed with his believers. He's saying, hey guys, this is not going to be easy. He's cut sort of the politeness away. He said, this will be hard. Following me will be hard. If they hate me and you're a follower of me, they're going to hate you. And so apologies if you came for a super uplifting message today, but this is also part of Jesus' message, that it will be hard. The, The call to follow him has moments of hard. In fact, we know this. Living in this world is broken. It is hard living in this world, let alone being a disciple to Jesus. And so let me keep going on. When the advocate comes, it says in 26, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. I'll continue. All this I've told you, that you will not fall away. So he's saying, I'm telling you this so you won't be surprised. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father. Where you can see me no longer. And about the judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I'll continue. It's a rather large bit this morning. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will see from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while will you see me no more than after that a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then you'll see me, because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does this mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. I love that question, because for 2,000 years we've been asking, what do you mean by a little while? When are you coming back? It was, if you think you're new at asking that question, they've been asking it for 2,000 years. What's this mean? What's the timeline? Can you give us a timeline? And he hasn't. Not exact. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this and he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see no more and then after a little while you will see me. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her child is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. So with you now is your time of grief, but you will see again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. 
Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask me in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. And the final bit. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you did not need to have anyone ask your questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, in fact has come, when you will be scattered. Each to your own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I just want to read this last bit clearly, because for some of you, and even as I read it out loud now, uh, it's a long bit of passage. And for some of you, like, what's going on there? There's bits that are confusing. There's bits that we won't cover today. I encourage you to go have a read of it yourself. But no matter what you take away from this this morning, just read the last bit, because Jesus knows that. So he summarizes. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. There's a... um, a sense of relief. I know it's not the most encouraging passage, but as I read it, and it talks about the trouble you'll have, and it talks about that life is hard. I don't know about you, but I let out a bit of a... Sometimes churches fall into the trap. It's so easy that we say everything's awesome all the time. And so we kind of just go, oh, you're having trouble. Don't you know God's awesome? You need to be awesome. Are you unhappy in church? That's not, you're not allowed to do that. We don't mean to, maybe we mean to, but quite often we don't mean to. But we give this, we get our Sunday best on and we, we sometimes want to look like we're doing okay. And that's okay. But we come and we kind of pretend we've got everything together. But I love, there's a relief in this that Jesus cuts through that and goes, no, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have really bad days. This world is broken. There's going to be wars. Gross, disgusting wars with real people. Not that he's causing it. He's saying this world is broken. You're going to have trouble. And then if you follow me, they're going to dislike you even more. (laughs) They're not going to like it because you'll represent something that speaks into them they just don't like. It makes them feel guilty. It, It plays with their gods. Isn't, does anyone else just find that as a, just a, oh, okay, it's okay. Maybe you had a bad day yesterday. Maybe you had a bad week. Maybe you were affected by, I know it's a month ago, but this storm. It's okay to say, hey, it's a bit rough at the moment. Financially, inflation, there's things, there's real struggles. And we know parts of the world are really struggling. Jesus does not ignore this. 
This is one of the dangers, I believe, in prosperity doctrine that believes that if you believe in God, you'll somehow be more blessed. You will be blessed, or better yet, you are blessed. Jesus already came. You have a relationship with him. You can walk in that purpose and that life. So you are blessed, but they will say it like, if you believe in God, nothing will go wrong. And so when you have a church that preaches that message, you have to pretend all the time that nothing ever goes wrong. So you better rock up in the nicest car. You better rock up wearing the nicest stuff because otherwise people question your God. Jesus doesn't say that. You're going to have trouble, he says. They'll kick you out of places. For them, they will kill them. And they did. Just breathe a sigh of relief this morning if you've had trouble already in 2024. If life has been a little full on, it's okay. Jesus with you. And he didn't ignore it. He didn't pretend it wasn't going to happen. Deeper than that, and I was as I read this verse... I reckon there's something else I wanted to talk about. Well, on the same line, we live in a strange moment because back then there was a sense of clarity. It was harder, but there was a sense of clarity. Let me give you an example. If you were a disciple of Jesus 2,000 years ago, your family would lightly reject you and you would be hunted down for believing what you believe. I reckon one of the Western current dynamics that is different from here and makes it I'm so glad I'm not running for my life, but makes it complicated, is we don't have all of that all the time. So what it means is, when you say, I want to follow Jesus, you can quite easily come to church your entire life and still follow any God you want to. You can be quite comfortable here. It's a Gold Coast. I'm not, don't be upset about that, but you don't have to make You're not forced by society to make this extreme choice. You might get a comment at work or something like that, but no one's going to start kicking you out of your synagogue, which was their local church, their local whole community, and say, you need to live out there or we're going to kill you. So there's this complex, weird dynamic that when you become a Christian, you can still kind of live this kind of lifestyle that is of the world. It's very complicated. And as I thought about this deep, and I hope this is making sense, as I thought about this more deeply, that also means that if we're following the gods of this world, which is us, <laughs> and God, then we end up hating ourselves. There's bits of us that we don't like because we're following the gods of this world, but we're trying to follow Jesus. Unless we give it all up, we're literally walking around just full of anxiety, carrying the things of this world, and trying to follow Jesus. Give me a little nod if that kind of makes sense. It's not as clear cut. You don't say, hey, mum and dad, I believe in Jesus. They don't say, get out. Some of you might have experienced that. Get out. Never talk to our family again. We're going to hunt you down now and you better not come back preaching about this Jesus again. You say, mum and dad, I'm going to believe in Jesus. They might say, okay, that's a bit strange. But okay, don't try to convert me. Back to life. And so we carry, we can live our whole life in church and carry around and then we just feel this anxiety. I think that sums up the Western church. We've got both like got one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. Worshipping ourselves, carrying that around, but also trying to worship God. And so this morning is simple. Three things 
that I believe Jesus talks about we're carrying out of this scripture that I'd love us to consider giving up, dropping, putting down and walking into 2024 as a full-on disciple of Jesus. Is that all right? Plenty more in that passage. Have a read of it. I know there's heaps more, but three things I want to pull out that I think we're carrying. So we can't even think about being a disciple of Jesus in 2024 unless we can let go of some of these things. The first one of these things I see in the scripture here is pride. He said this, All this I've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. They'll actually think as they persecute you that they're worshipping their God. The same for us. As I said, the early Jews were kicking each other out of places of worship because they were coming Christians. The Romans would kill Christians because they believed in the emperor God or the pantheon of gods. But 2024 is a little bit blurry. Here are some of the gods that can still enter a church or can still enter your mind or you can still worship secretly or kind of just on the side. Let me list some of them. I'm independent. I want a little of God, but I don't need him. I'm self-made. I have my own iPhone. I've got insurance. I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm comfortable. I'm just trying to stay settled like everyone else in my society, at my school, at my uni, at my work, in my neighbourhood. What's wrong with that? What's wrong if I just worship a little bit of myself because I'm pretty good and I just hold on to God in case things get really bad? Can you see the complexity? We don't have to make a choice. Well, I think we should, but we don't have to make a choice. And so we carry both around. I like the image. You get to heaven, there's two buttons. One says everything Jesus did, press this. And one says the things you did. And I know we, 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 a lot of us know the right answer. You press the Jesus one. But if we're honest, we kind of want to press the Jesus one and then just kind of maybe touch the other one and go, oh, look, Jesus is awesome, but did you see what I did? <laughs> I know he saved me, but did you see the thing? We, we're tempted. We're tempted to hold on to our own superiority, our own, we think, our own control. There's nothing wrong with being good at something, but we, we want to worship ourselves a little. Especially in a society that is aiming at just, just be comfortable. Oh, yeah, okay, what's it? Yeah, why not? Just stay safe. Don't do anything too radical or too, too out there. Okay. I worship me and a little bit of God. God can have Sundays but let me have Monday to Friday. God's a great accessory, I've written here, our world can believe. God's like an app. I've even said, I'll give him Sundays as long as my favourite songs are sung, but Mondays, I'm doing my own thing. I imagine for some of us, as I say that, it should stir you. If John 16, Jesus' words are right, it should stir you a little bit. Because part of you hates the fact that you hold both. And we all do it. We're all, we're all, we've all sinned. We're all broken. We're all holding both at times. But it's not the way that God calls us to discipleship in him. It's more full on. It's better. It's not carrying these things around. I've said this before and it's a little even harsher than what I've just said. But if God agrees with everything you do, if God agrees with everything you like, 
if God happens to have the same secondary theologies as you, if it so happens that God likes your favourite worship songs and he doesn't like those other lyrics that you don't like, if it's awesome because he agrees with everything you do all the time and your opinion, there's a very good chance that's not God. That's just a bigger version of yourself. Not saying you don't worship God if you have bits and pieces of that, but be careful. If God isn't offending you every now and then so that you can grow, if God isn't challenging you every now and then, then there's a very good chance, not for certain, you might just have the exact opinion as God, but there's a very good chance that that's just a bigger version of yourself. We love to hold both. Jesus here is being direct to the church, to his disciples and said, hey, a time is coming when you're going to just have to let go of your pride and follow me, even when it's hard. First challenge this morning, what are you carrying? What are you carrying around? It's not a great way to live, trying to please both masters, trying to live in both worlds. Pride will murder the Western church. I believe in some cases it is murdering the Western church. It won't kill the church completely. God will build his church. But the amount of stories I've heard lately of churches closing because they can't move past their comfort. They can't let go of their pride for Jesus. The amount of churches that don't get shut down outside the amount of churches that don't get shut down because someone came outside and tried to shut it down, but they shut down themselves because of their infighting, because they carried both things, because their God disagreed with that person's God, but it turns out they disagreed with each other. God was fine. <laughs> I say this with such, hopefully, intensity because it is killing churches in the West. As we all hold our grocery bags in, we walk in and go, God better be like this, instead of going, who are you, God? We cannot move on this year, Burley. We've even had touches of this. We've had touches of this, just little bits. Nothing major. We've had touches of people bringing in their groceries, going, Steve or leadership, God, your God better be like this. And we've gone, actually, our God will just be his God. We, we, we try anyway. We can't move on to 2024. We can't look at our calendar if we're still carrying this stuff on. It'll be anxious. We'll be anxious ridden. We'll be fearful. We'll be scared. We're not actually accessing the totality, the holisticness of God. And so I just ask you this morning consider it's not going to happen in one service, <laughs> but the invitation and a warning drop our pride. What are you carrying this morning as you walk into 2024? What are you telling God that He's going to do? this year before even asking him? What do you need to let go of and realise that you are not in control, but he is? And that's a way better place to live. Second one, and I think we're carrying this morning. By the way, if you don't know me, when I talk like this, I often get convicted as I'm preparing some of these sermons because I'm not... I had to check... I, I hate preaching on stuff like this because I have to check myself as I'm preaching through this. And there's a ton of things I try to carry. I'll be right. I can do it, God. So I'm preaching to myself this morning too. Here's the second thing I think we're carrying, and this passage alludes to this. In 22, it says, I have not come and spoken to them 
they would not be guilty of sin. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what works, no one else did. They would not be guilty of sin. We walk around and we know God's God, if we're Christians. If we don't know God's God, then we're even more confused. And we carry this guilt around. That's the second thing I believe we're carrying and we need to let go of as we move into 2024, the guilt. I've got to be super careful. I even hesitated to bring this up as an example because we're going to have a different opinion and I'm not getting into the politics. Australia Day. I am not getting into whether what we should do with a date or anything like that. Both sides are in the room and I know people that both love Jesus. And so that's fantastic. However, bigger than that, we have a guilt problem. We have a guilt problem in Australia. We don't know how to deal with what we've done. I'm not saying you. We don't know how to deal with what people did when they came to this country, which was horrible, and we don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to fix the sin. And so we just run to our gods, and while there is good conversation in the middle there, both extremes are extreme. One side is cancel Australia Day forever, not just change the date, that's one extreme. Never celebrate it because it was born out of sin. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is I don't have to think about the guilt and sin if I write myself off on the beach as long as I put sun cream on and don't get too burnt as I pass out at the end of Australia Day. Both sides are extreme. You're allowed to celebrate what we have. And on the other extreme, the guilt is so real. The guilt is real. The sin is real. But we have no mechanism in this country, no mechanism in this world to deal with the sin and guilt. It's the same with us. We carry this guilt around. We carry this sin. And I get we were wrong and I get we've all sinned in different ways. But Jesus gave us a mechanism. Jesus covered it. This is a difference this should be the difference between us and the world. Jesus has said your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm not saying there's not consequences. Don't get me wrong. If you do something, there's going to be a consequence in this world. I'm not saying we, we go, oh, Jesus covered it. There's no consequence. But spiritually, with your soul, internally, with your caring, he has taken it. On a cosmic level or on the deepest level possible, Jesus has taken your guilt for anything and everything. That's the, otherwise, if, he, if you cannot drop the guilt, there's no point of him dying. You're taking away the power of the cross if you can't work through your guilt and shame and start afresh with Jesus. The beautiful thing, let me just clarify, the beautiful thing is when you do that, do you know what you can pick up? You can pick up a God who heals you can pick up a God who reconciles. You can pick up a God who brings families back together. You can pick up a God, it says there, that sends his spirit that is wise and comforting and amazing things do happen. God is in the business of reconciling things, but we can't work with him if we're still walking around carrying that guilt and shame. What's it for you? Maybe it was last year or maybe it was something that's happened over your life you just can't let it go. 
And so you're just living ineffective and unfruitful in the nicest way possible because you're just carrying, you can't do anything because you're just guilt-stricken. Now, I'm not pretending this morning you'll go, oh, okay, Steve, (laughs) I've carried this family trauma and guilt my whole life. I'll just let that go now. Thank you. (laughs) No, no, no. It's a process with the Spirit. It's a process with God. It's a process with your church. However, let it be a... Let it start this morning. Let it be a chance to drop the guilt and shame because Christ died for you. He took the sin. And so while there'll be consequences, while of course you shouldn't have done that thing, of course, you did that thing and it deserved a punishment. I'm not saying it doesn't deserve justice. God took that justice. And we now can live and reconcile and love and heal and probably sin again and do that all over again and grow in him. We're going to remember now what we do every week here. We're going to have a mid-sermon break. Let's say a three-quarter sermon break. And we're going to take some emblems which represent Jesus finishing, taking that sin away. Where he died on the cross and he said, it's enough. The world needs a place to place this sin place it on me and I'll give my life for you. And so we're just going to spend a moment. What we do here, we have a little bit of bread, a bit of juice. The bread represents his body that was given. The juice represents the blood. As you take that, just thank him. And try and say, hey God, here's some of that guilt and shame. I've made mistakes. Thank you for taking it. I don't deserve this. But let me walk out of this place freer than when I walked in. Let me pray and we're going to have communion. I've just got a little bit to share after that. God, we we just acknowledge that you paid the price for us on the cross. We acknowledge the sin of our world. We acknowledge the sin of our country. We acknowledge the sin of our lives. And we acknowledge that there's work to be done. There's reconciliation. There's, there's middle ground. There's sharing. There's, there's all of that. But when it comes to the sin that we're carrying, you paid the price. And I just pray wherever we are with you, even if we're not sure what we believe about you, I pray that we make a step in that direction at giving you our sin, our guilt, our shame, and our pride. And so right now, I just pray, remember you through the cross, through your blood, through your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Emblems are going to be distributed. Just spend a moment and then hold the cup and we'll drink together because we're all, it says we all have sinned. We're all in the same boat. If you're not sure, you don't have to take it. Um, but sit there in reflection. That's my encouragement. In this room, I know we're having a quiet moment, but as it's handed out, I've just written a list. In this room, there might be failed relationships, failed marriages, addiction, parenting mistakes, regrets, missed opportunities. Don't let the power of the cross go by. Give it to him. Give it to him. Let him have it. Let's drink together. If you're already drinking, it's okay, but let's drink together. Final 
one, I just, it is a shorter one. And then I want to make some room because as I was praying in that time of silence, as maybe expected, but probably not to the extent, I, I think it's pretty weighty this morning. I think this has brought some stuff up as expected. And so I just want to have some time at the end for prayer as well. Um, but let me just bring up this last one. So you come to some church today, hear another sermon about the cost of discipleship. Another Sunday with me inviting you in some way to surrender, or more importantly, Jesus inviting you to come and surrender and consider. For some of you, it's the first time hearing this. For others, you've heard this before. And for some of you, you've tried to drop bags constantly. That's human life, right? We try to drop these things and follow him, and then we stuff up and we pick it up again. Or we go through something, we're like, I want to trust you, God, but... I think I'll just, yeah, like I think I'll be all right. Or I think I need to take this into my own hands. We've all done it. And then we feel guilty about it. We're feeling anxious about it and we get back in that cycle. It's, it's humankind. We all have sinned. And so the last one I think we need to drop, which is similar to the, the guilt but different, is failure. You will fail. That's things. Jesus is saying right here, you will have hard times. You will make mistakes. You will sin. You will fail. In a world that doesn't allow for failure, in a world that is cancels people with a tweet, loves to persecute people for making mistakes on, about their religion, what they think right, you will fail. It doesn't, this world doesn't leave room for grace, doesn't leave room for reconciliation, doesn't leave room for healing, doesn't leave room for hope much anymore doesn't leave room for growth, doesn't acknowledge that you will fail and then you give it back to God again. That's why we do this every Sunday. If we never failed, we just have one church service at the start and then we just meet and eat and celebrate and sing because we'd never failed again. But we, we fail, we come back to the cross and go, I need to put these, I need to leave these with you. We all have failed. Everyone in this room has failed with certainty well, I'll say with almost certainty, you will fail again at something, not at everything. We are broken. People are broken. The call to Jesus is hard. We've got sinful nature pushing against us and the world pushing against us. We've got pride. We've got guilt. And we've got failure weighing in on it all. The question isn't for Jesus, will you have troubled times? He knew the answer. The question is, will you fail again? He knew the answer. The question is, will you let the Spirit in and help? Will you let me in? Will you abide in me, he said. At, at each problem, Jesus answers it with, hey, I'm going to feel a bit distant, but the Spirit will be here. Hey, you're going to have trouble, but the Spirit will be here. We've got God and we've got each other. And we've got his Holy, Holy Spirit. And he says one thing at the end that I think is the most important thing he says here when we fail. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's the reality. You may fail at this entire life. You may get to 170 and say everything I did I failed. I doubt anyone in this room will get 
to 171. But two, I doubt you failed at life. (laughs) But even that person knows God wins. In the end, God wins. In the end, he has overcome the world. You can safely, comfortably go, I'll let go of my pride, I'll let go of my guilt, I'll let go of my failures. And yes, I did pick it up again for effect. But you can safely, this morning, let it go and know, yeah, but he wins. He wants to grow something in you. He wants to do something in you. He says, just pick me up (laughs) or point to me or go to me. Drop this in 2024. Drop the pride. Drop the, um, what I think is, I reckon one of the most toxic groups of, for, actually not toxic, I reckon one of the most formative groups I've experienced are school parents, other school parents. I'm in that stage. But school parents and school parent chats, they all have their religious instructions on what you're meant to do with their world, how you're meant to live as a mum and a dad, how you're meant to exist in the world church, in their religion, and they disciple well. If you're not feeding your kids this type of thing, if, you're not, if your kids don't have this type of technology, if your kids don't have this thing, I'm in this life stage, some of you are like, yeah, I've been there. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Drop all of that. Take some advice when it's good, but drop all of that. You don't live by the school mum and dad's group. You live for Jesus. What does he think? What does he want to do? You don't live at the mercy of your neighbours and what they think of the way you live. You don't live at the mercy of your colleagues and how they think you spend your money. You don't live by this world system. You live for Jesus. Well, this is the invitation. And he says it'll be tough, but it's the best thing you'll ever do. Because you have purpose, the purpose. You have life, you have truth, and you'll grow. And you'll have a place to put that shame and sin and start again. So before next week... When I really, my prayer is that this church can go to a deeper place with Jesus, that we can count the cost and say I'm in. But before we get there, honestly, this week, I'll be doing the same thing. What do you just need to just drop? What do you need to let go of and leave with Jesus so that we can go as a church to somewhere that I think, I'm not knocking other churches, but we can go, I think, somewhere deeper together somewhere profound, somewhere good and beautiful. Is that all right? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to pray. Let this be a church that I've put here in 2024. We can be a church that is known for being on our knees, surrendering. I'm actually going to pray. Actually, what I'm going to do, what's the time? I'm going to do the one thing that some of us find super uncomfortable and others love. I'm going to guess to pray for each other for just a moment. Is that all right? So, well, actually, I won't ask you because the ones that find it uncomfortable will give me a no. <laughs> I think we should do that. And so some of you may not know other people. That's okay. You don't have to have a big list. But can we just, can we just pray for each other in a moment? That's what the church is about. Can we just pray through these things? If you've got nothing to pray, just pray that God would reveal more of himself and that we'd let go more of the world, that we would not hate ourselves. Because we're trying to hold both things. We'll do that for another, just the next five, ten minutes, let's pray for the person just around us, maybe groups of three or four. And um, if you don't feel like praying, that's okay. You can just listen, but just join a group of three or four, and then we'll sing one more song. All right. Go for it.